Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Good. Thank you so much for tuning into this bonus episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schuber. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. I am a 31-year-old man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid. I read the main series so far as an adult because I was on a quest to determine if this is a series that society has been sleeping on. I have determined that, yes, society has been sleeping on it. But now there's a Percy Jackson TV show that hopefully will be helping the world to wake up and realize how perfect this franchise is. And I am here on this bonus episode because I was able to do some press opportunities with the TV show team. I was able to interview some folks from the production staff, including two very notable people for this all existing, Rick and Becky Riordan. But in addition to them, I was able to speak with some other folks from production, such as John Steinberg, the executive producer and co-creator, Dan Schatz, the executive producer, James Bobin, the director of the first two episodes, Dan Henna, the production designer, Tish Monahan, the costume designer, Eric Henry, the VFX supervisor, and Jeff White, the ILM VFX supervisor. I was able to speak to all of these folks, and for this episode and for some future episodes, I will be posting some interviews that are relevant to the episodes that are coming out. So here's the plan. For this episode today, this bonus episode, I'm just going to be posting some interview audio clips from these folks that don't have to do with the first four episodes. They are just general, overarching kind of thoughts. Then, on following Mondays, I will be posting interview questions that are specifically about whatever episode just aired. So let me key you in on how the schedule of the new Stone Bean is going to work going forward. For at least the next three weeks, we will be posting episodes of the newest Olympian on Wednesdays, a couple of hours after the TV shows have gone live. So that way you can watch the TV show. And once you do, you can listen to me and guests talking about what we thought about it. So those will be on Wednesdays. But I still want to post stuff on our normal Mondays. And that's where we will post these interviews. So this coming Wednesday, two days from now, December 20th, is when the TV show drops. So that's when I'll have episodes about episode one and episode two of the TV show. Then the Monday after that, we will post some interviews where people from the production team answer questions about episodes one and two. Then that next Wednesday, we'll have an episode about episode three. And then the Monday after that, a TNO episode with interviews about episode three stuff. And then the week after that, episode four on Wednesday about episode four. And then the Monday after that, some more interview stuff. So that is the plan. Stay tuned for all of those different things. I still have to go through the interviews that I did. So I'm not exactly sure which clips from which people you will hear today. But we have some that I'm very excited for you to hear, and I will just preface who 
is about to speak before they speak, and then we'll just have the interview clip there. But without any other further ado, let's get into the interviews that we have for this bonus episode of TNO. So this first audio is going to come from the roundtable that we did with Rick and Becky Riordan. Now, the way this one worked was a little bit different than the other interviews. For the other folks, I was the only person asking questions, and we had a direct Zoom call between us. But for Rick and Becky, they took multiple podcasters, and then we submitted our questions ahead of time, and then a moderator read those questions, and then they answered them. So Rick and Becky did answer my questions, but they didn't know specifically that I answered them. But we are still having Rick and Becky on the pod. So this is a nice little partial Uncle Rick come on the pod achievement checkmark. However, it's not the full-fledged Uncle Rick come on the pod, which I like. It allows me to stay hungry, which I think is very fun. So now here is some audio from that Rick and Becky roundtable. I know the books carry a lot of humor in them, and it's in the series as well. So one of the questions was, uh, you know, what's the dynamic like when jokes get added, tweaked off the floor? Are there any jokes you're just like, I'm glad I got that one in, or any jokes you're just like, I wish I could have shown any of the outtakes? You know, that's always a, it's always a juggling act. With the books, with the series, it was the same way. You need the humor. It's critical to the DNA of Percy Jackson. You don't want it to be so funny or, or slapstick that it's taking away right. from the emotional um, weight of the story you're telling. But you need both things. And finding that recipe of leavening the bread with just enough of that humor is critical. That's a nice thing about this process is it is there's so many people contributing and looking over this series that it gave us lots of opportunities of trial and error to see what is working, what's not working. And absolutely, I mean, jokes, no, that didn't work. Let's get rid of that well, one. And, and that's where it, Walker being Percy Jackson really comes into play. That yeah. he, he just really is able to bring that snarky voice to the subject matter um, exactly at the right point when you feel, um, you know, all hope is lost and he'll, he'll get a zinger. Yeah. Um, you know, because the, the first book is is pretty dark. It is. There's know? a lot of serious stuff mm -hmm. going on, but uh, you know that's how Percy keeps uh, keeps his head on straight is by making light of it. This next audio you are about to hear comes from the interview I did with John Steinberg, the executive producer and co-creator, Dan Schatz, an executive producer, and James Bobin, the director of the first two episodes. For all of you, this is something where you have obviously been prepping for this for so much time. There's so much work that goes into making this show. But still, was there anything along the process that you found yourself doing where in the middle of it you were like, huh, I didn't think I'd be doing this for the Percy Jackson show? Just something that was strange and unexpected? It's uh, a really good question. Um, I, 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 there was one day where we were early on. We had to teach Arian how to walk like a goat. Nice. So I got to sit in some of those sessions oh, yeah. and also learn to walk like a goat. <laughs> and so that was uh, that was something I never thought I would actually learn how to do. Yeah, yeah. Any any of that time where you have an actor playing one of the CG characters, the Minotaur, same sort of thing. A guy, a guy this huge still song walking around the set is pretty amusing. And I was always fun to see that. It's just a funny idea of this guy walking around on the still song. Oh, another thing is the underpants of the Minotaur were very good. Mm -hmm. We had to get, we had to, so one of the sequences in the Minotaur fight, 
we had the idea that he uses the underpants strap as leverage to get up. <laughs> so he had to physically create underpants which he could put his feet in and have purchase on and push off. And that was quite a weird thing to have to create is underpants that you could have yeah, yeah. as a ladder. Like a very large underpants using the ladder is quite a weird day of work. So that was very that was unusual for us. Oh, that's really fun. I think another thing that is a little more expected, but still a little bit strange, is that for a lot of the scenes with Chiron, you have the actor Glenn on top of a literal horse. Yes. Was that an interesting thing? Like, had any of you worked with animals before? Are you have, are the VFX guys like keep the horse away from the volume? How does yeah, that well, go? <laughs> what you don't want is a live horse in a gigantic screen, which costs millions of dollars. It's not a great <laughs> because they're not exactly predictable, and it's very bright and very warm in the volume at all times. So. That was tricky, um, but the, the live horse was quite nice in a way because it had a real, it had a real bit visceral presence on set, so you could smell the horse, you could smell Chiron <laughs> on set. So that I think for actors actually is is quite a I think it's actually quite helpful having a horse, and also he's such a fantastic horseman, as I'm sure you guys probably know. He's a man who you know trained and runs a camp for, for horses for kids, so he knows horses very well. So I think he was incredibly comfortable on the horse, which is very important. Because obviously, as a non-horse person, I found it quite intimidating to be around because they seem quite unpredictable. But um, no, we had a very good horse wrangler man, Quinn, who was fantastic, so that was very helpful. But yeah, a horse on a stage is never a great idea, to be honest. We did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah, you made it work. Um, it was also using using a real horse so that we could use it in the in the show. Yes. Because it's just, the, the visual effects look so much better when you're using... Uh, a, a real body of a horse versus uh, CG. CG. Yeah. So um, it just it just made it that much more grounded and authentic. Yeah, because the proportions work. If you look at Chiron, Chiron is what centaur would be. It's a man's body. And the interesting part is always the joint of the lower trunk. Right. <laughs> to the, so we, always get, we had to give, we give Chiron a jacket because obviously he's, he's quite smart most of the time. And just, the fall of the jacket on the back was always quite tricky. Yeah, actually, look exactly like Jacob. Yeah, just, yeah kind of, that's a good yeah, look. It's kind of inspired by my, my kind of vibe. That's kind of true. costume is very much basically the sort of thing that I would wear. Yeah. So, yeah, that's very true. That's great. In the same outfit. So, James, you directed in the past two Muppets films. You co-wrote one. You have a Muppet replica of yourself in Muppets Most Wanted. So I think you're the expert on this question. If we're making Muppets Percy Jackson, which member of the cast is the one remaining human? And what Muppets are going to be in other roles uh, of, in the books? <laughs> This is this is a Jason Manzuka's coded question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. the only person, or is he? The yeah, Manzuka is a Muppet, yeah, man, yeah. And a, man and a Muppet. Manzuka for sure. <laughs> so there's no doubt that he would be in that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a great question, man. Um, definitely the first one to ask this. Which is, I. Like something I try to do on my podcast, the News Olympian, is if I can ever do interviews, I want to do the, the questions you haven't heard before. So I'm I'm glad that I could give you a new one. Well, I guess Chiron's kind of Kermit, right? <laughs> Chiron and Kermit seem very similar, and then we should keep things together and get it, you know, keep in charge of the group, really. And then I guess uh, Grover is a bit like Scooter, I think, in some ways. Scooter's a kind of helpful person, and they are quite aligned in that way, weirdly. And then yeah, it's, I don't know. Otherwise, it's, it's very tricky because the other characters, I mean, like, you know, Percy's got elements of Fozzie. He's funny. This is always what happens, you know. Uh, and then, yeah. I'd say Annabeth's right? Yeah, maybe Annabeth's That's a good point. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. She becomes Kermit. I mean, from the beginning, she's Kermit. That's a great <laughs> question. 
And then, you know, like, we have, there's no real animal as such, right? I guess, you know, Cerberus. <laughs> yeah, one of the monsters. Yeah, everything else we have is happening. Yeah. Just, <laughs> All right, an enormous list of Muppet slash yeah. Jackson characters. I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Inbox is open. Let me know. Um, right, yeah, sure. we can do a whole episode just talking about this for three hours. So yeah, we, can, yeah, we can make that happen. <laughs> so the whole season, even the episodes, they're going from place to place. Are you doing like regional check-ins? It's like we want to make the New York feel authentically New York. We want to make St. Louis feel authentically St. Louis. Like, are there little minute things that you're trying to do, whether it's the way people are speaking or certain things that make it feel true to all the various locations we go over this journey? Always. That's our department job. Always. They localize it and make it feel real. Always. You know, we're, we're, we're in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tim, Tim's, Tim's New York accent. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we try that stuff. It, 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 it was so important for us to, across, to make the, across the, the board of the adventure, that this show feels very grounded and real that all these magical things are happening, but it's all happening in real world places that you can connect to, understand if you've been there, it feels like, oh yeah, that that, that feels like where I, I was at the, at the arch. And so everything from Vegas to Santa Monica to, to St. Louis to New York, everything, if, if we were, if it was, it was on the volume or somewhere else, everything was scanned the actual real places. We went to all of those places to make sure we were being as true to them as we possibly could. Is there any other thing? I, I love just knowing like the little tiny details that folks might not know. From the VFX guys, we learned that the prism is like iPhone flashlight into a Listerine bottle to show on <laughs> Annabeth's face. Are there any sort of like tiny things where you're like, no one's going to know that, that this is here or just a, a funny little work around, if you will, that found its way into the show? Just something, again, unplanned, unexpected, or otherwise noteworthy? Yes, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the trickiest things was, you, we were, were talking about, we've talked about, you know, Glenn Turman, right? And he he's, you know, as, as, as our centaur. Glenn had to sit on the, on the horse, as close to the neck of the horse right. as possible. But when we were going to then infuse both the body of that horse with Glenn. Glenn was then going to move up to where that he the head was. So when Walker is walking with Glenn in episode two and they are talking to each other, Glenn was here. Walker had to be here looking over here. Oh yeah. So the entire time they are having to act together, yeah. Walker has to look nothing. Uh, in, way in front of him. It's really weird. Because we are going to then cut Glenn off and put him in that spot. So it's just like fun things like that where it was just like, how do we get these two to be able to perform off each other but have the correct eye lines? It's like all of those little details that you have to figure out on the day to make it look right. Um, and that was a, that was definitely a challenge. Yeah, totally. like, crazy. What's like on the volume stage? The volume stage is not big enough to do the entire outside of the Met, so we had to have three different directions of the volume stage, which meant those hot dog stands had to keep moving around all the time. <laughs> so just kind of where they're supposed to be on each other. I spent quite a lot of my day arguing about where the hot dog stand would be and which way it'd be facing because of the direction of the. Yeah, it's a very geometry. It's a geometry. I, I, I've got a book somewhere of the plans of the outside of the Met with the drawings of each of each direction of the map shot for that sequence and it's mm -hmm. really complicated looking at it it's like yeah. some mathematics it's like you know <laughs> window sort of stuff. Uh -huh. you, you have to have a very good sense of geography to shoot yeah. on the 
that situation for sure. The next bit of audio comes from the interview that I did with Dan Henna, the production designer, and Tish Monahan, the costume designer. We see in the episodes Percy wearing a plaid shirt. We've seen Walker wear a lot of plaid. He seems to continue to wear plaid in the press interviews and everything. Was there a lot of thought process that went into the plaid? Was Walker consulted? Like, what was the plaid process? The plaid process, uh, first of all, Walker was not was not consulted. <laughs> um, for me, I love plaid. And I just had to think of how I was going to portray our three lead actors together in a way that was individual for each of their characters, would work in uh, a color palette that was appropriate you know, for each other as the trio, but also work going on the quest from beginning to end into all of the worlds that you know it was it was going to be in and thirdly i wanted to pick a classical item and you'll just find you know you have find plaid shirts and sears catalogs yeah you know from the 40s 50s 60s so the shirt that i that we had made was actually like a shirt jacket you won't even notice right. it there are little tiny pockets at the bottom and it was styled on a 50s shirt jacket that I found uh, an image of on online through Etsy or something. It, it just looked so cool and unusual. And so we, all we did was kind of alter the size of the collar so it wasn't, you know, too overwhelming, you know, for our young actor. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I wanted one of them in, in a plaid director liked stripes. I wanted one of them in stripes. Therefore, the other one had to be in a solid. So. <laughs> it's great. I think it works really well. Yeah. And I think you might have motivated Walker. Now I've seen him in a lot of plaids. So maybe he was like, you know what? Tish is right. Plaid's great. Here I am. <laughs> so that's all I have for now. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you will enjoy the episodes that we do about the episodes. And I'm going to try to keep those episodes mainly just to talking about actual reactions of watching the show, less about extra things such as the interviews and the other things I got to do, such as going to the premiere, which is very cool and awesome. But we'll keep those for the separate things that come out on these Mondays, and we'll keep those Wednesday episodes to being about the actual TV show. So thank you so much for listening, especially if this was your first time listening to the show. I know that I'm going to be posting quotes from this on social media, and maybe new folks will find the show because of it. So if that is you, thank you for coming along. We've got a whole bunch of episodes, over 100 of them, where I made my way through the main five books. We had some fun spinoff episodes as well, where we talked about mythology and other things that found their way subject matter-wise into the books, like ADHD and dyslexia and a romanticism and just lots of fun stuff on the feed that you can listen to all right now. If you just continue wherever you're listening to this, whether that's on your podcasting app of choice or our website, thenewsolympian.com. But however you listened, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And make sure you are subscribed to TNO wherever you listen to your podcasts so that once our various episodes come up during this fun time, you won't miss it. And I just hope you have a nice day. I hope you enjoy the show when it comes out. And I hope you have a great holiday season, end of the year, and good beginning of 2024. And until we cross paths again and you hear some audio from me, I'll see you later. Thank you. 
you so much for tuning into this bonus episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. Our editor is normally Sherry Glow, but for these little guys, it was edited by me, Mike Schubert. I want to give a very special thank you to the folks at DKC News who helped these press opportunities come together. So thank you all. That whole team has been wonderful. And I want to thank everyone that I was able to speak to on the production side. Everyone was just so nice and lovely, and everyone involved in making the show is just really nice. If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to our website, thenewsolympian.com. We've got information about the show and the live shows that we do and the Patreon and the merchandise, all that kind of stuff there. We're on social media. We're at Newest Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On Facebook, we also have a group where it's spoiler-filled. So if you've read past the five books or spoiler-free, where it's caught up to wherever I am, so you can discuss with other folks there. And if you like community discussions, we also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash Olympian. And if you join the Patreon at any of the TNO tiers, you get access to our Discord, which is another really fun community where you can talk about the Percy Jackson books, the extended Ryordanverse, or some of our channels that don't necessarily have to do with the books, like the Food Channel or the Cute Pictures of Your Pets channel. Lots of fun stuff over there, and that's at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon, and you can automatically get into the Discord by linking your Discord account. If you like the show, if you want to leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using, that's really helpful and that's really cool. I would very much appreciate it if you did that. And if you want to just tell someone about the show, that also helps a ton. But simply listening is fantastic. Thank you so much for doing so. And we will be back in just a few days time for a new episode of The Newest Olympian. Have a nice day and I'll see you later. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.